Monsters, madness, and magic. Welcome to the Monsters, Madness, and Magic podcast. I am Justin, and today I'm joined by a very special guest, veteran stage and screen actor, star of Shudder's Anything for Jackson, Death himself, Mr. Julian Richings. Julian, how the hell are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. What, a, what an introduction. Death himself. I love it. <laughs> Yes, sir. So, so Julian, do you have a eureka moment that you can recall from early in life that maybe a specific performance or film that you saw where you just decided to, to pursue acting as a career? You know, I've always been an actor. I, I realize that as I get older and I look back, I, I've, I've been asked the same thing before and I, I actually can't find a turning point. But I, I realize that I'm a middle child. I grew up with brothers on either side of me. And I've always been a bit of a performer and I've always been different with each brother, you know, like you, you and, and with everybody in my family and my friends, you know, I, there was that record, oh, I can be this way with this guy and this way with another mm -hmm. guy. And so I, I was aware of my chameleon qualities, I guess. I mean, without, right. you know, I'm, I don't go around wearing disguises, <laughs> and being an entirely different creature with one, <laughs> one person. But there is a sort of a shifting, you know. Right. And, uh, and what happened was that my older brother had this unique talent. He started to build a bunch of scenery uh, in our backyard. Like he, he would create a circus or um, a showground, uh, like a fairground uh, stall and stuff. Mm -hmm. And guess who he got to be the ringmaster and be the stunt guy? He got his younger brother, which was me. <laughs> and uh, I, like, so he threw me in at the deep end, like doing all these things. And, right. uh, uh, you know, basically filling out his um, creative urges, you know, and being the guy that inhabited them. So right from an early age, I performed, I enjoyed performing, and I've just continued. I guess the, the biggest shift is when you go from just enjoying it to going, wait a minute, I'm going to make a living. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that was kind of, um, that was a, a gamble because I don't come from a, a background of um, entertainers or anything like that. So it was it, that was the moment where I went, yeah, I'm going to keep doing it. I, I have to keep doing it one way or so. So there you go. There's a very long-winded answer. That's a great answer. I see, I see that you trained in drama and you toured uh, North America with a stage production. So what are some of your fondest memories of those days? Did you have any uh, favorite roles to play or any performances that stick out to you? Yeah, like with theater is great in that it, you can be a lot more out of the box than you do. Film and television is a, a very literal, you know, if you're a, a tall guy and uh, you look a certain way, you're probably going to play a cop or you're, you know, if you're a little off like me, cheekbones, British accent, you're going to probably play a doctor or a priest or, you know, they, they, it's, yeah. it's more literal. Uh, theater is a little more tolerant of that. So, in the theater, I got to play a whole variety of different roles, which I enjoyed, um, you know, from the like uh, Shakespearean hero to the clown to, uh, you know, all kinds of contemporary shows and stuff. And so I got that out of my system 
in, in many ways. So that as I do more and more film and television, I tend to get cast in a particular way. I tend to do a lot of genre stuff. I, do, I play the outsider, the alien, the weird guy, the vampire, the this, the that, you know. But I, I don't kind of secretly go, oh, if only I could play the romantic hero. I, yeah. I'm quite happy to embrace what I'm given. And um, I'm quite happy to also bring that theater background into the stuff that I play so that hopefully if you see me playing some crazy, um, I, I don't know, let's say um, kind of a guy that, that lives on his own and is a little bit unusual, like I hope to bring a, an element of humanity and, mm-hmm. and, and other colors to that guy. Um, so, so there you go. <laughs> so does, <laughs> does your approach differ at all from a screen role as, a pro, as opposed to a stage role when you're preparing? Yeah, it's oh preparing no because you just got you got to do the homework. You got to know who you are, mm-hmm. where you've come from, um, what the parameters of the story are. You know what the style is, whether it's big or naturalistic or whatever it is. So you got to do that homework, and that's always the same no matter what you. Do. Uh, but the actual execution is different. Uh, in theater, it's much more the actor is in charge and Mm -hmm. lights and directions and everything follows the actor. And so does the audience's eyes. But of course in film and television, the camera during and the editor has, so it's a much more technical medium for an act. And I actually like it. I, I enjoy knowing that I have to walk across, open a drawer, put my head at a certain angle because I know the light will hit my glasses in a particular angle and make me look a certain way. Right, I'm comfortable right. with that. That doesn't bother me and it doesn't upset my sense of actor's pride, you know, going, but my character would never do that. <laughs> uh, you, you know, I'm able to kind of go, okay, so I, I'll figure out why I'm going over there. But I do know once I get there, I've got to tilt my head like that so that the light will hit my glasses. So it's so more technical stuff going on. Yeah, but I, that's fine. Um, but it does certainly, it, it changes the dance of the actor and it makes it more aware of all the technology around. Uh, that's cool. So I'm assuming you've done a lot of work in the UK. Have you noticed any major differences between auditions in the United States or in, and in the UK? Well, you know, I, I came from the UK in the 80s. So I've been over here a long time. Uh, I've been over here 35 years. Um, so I, and I go back occasionally, but only um you know because i've been cast in a specific thing so i don't have really great insights into the way the industry is there um but i do know that really we've all gone through a transformation in the last five ten years because of technology and because of self-tapes you know like uh here am i in toronto i can easily put myself on a self-tape for something in la or atlanta vancouver um, whereas in the old days, you would have to go to a casting director, go in person, you would have to prepare, and you would have a sense of performing in the room with other people. Right. Now you don't necessarily have. So, so I would say more that there's less of a difference between the UK and North America. It's more that things have evolved, changing time. Gotcha. So my first experience with your work was the movie Urban Legend. Oh. <laughs> That's a film. You got some horror heavy hitters in there. You got Robert England. He's the professor. Uh, Brad Dourif yeah. is the gas station attendant, which he's not even credited in that movie, I don't believe. That's right, yeah. But uh, your role is the, cre- I think you're even credited as creepy janitor. You That's still right. stick out in that movie. Like, what is your, um, what kind of experiences do you recall from that movie and being on set with Robert England? I, I enjoyed it uh, a lot. Um, I, I enjoyed it um, 
I, yeah, I, it's one of those red herring roles where you go, okay, do everything that you can to make it look like you're the creepy murderer guy, which yeah. wasn't very difficult for me. But, you know, so they set me up beautifully to do that and, and all the stuff that they had, all the kind of lurking shadows and appearing and being <laughs> monosyllabic, basically. Uh, was, it was just a lot of fun. And, and I got to tell you that, that, you know, that was no exception. A lot of the movies that I've done and that uh, mainstream and indie, uh, I have fun because I'm f one of those fortunate actors that gets to play roles that are pretty, generally they're, they're, they're pretty fun and they don't necessarily carry the weight of a movie. They um, introduce a, like a primary color into things, you exactly. know, and you, you, you just play the primary color. You don't worry too much about the the long journey ahead right so you played a death-ish role several times since your uh, <laughs> role in supernatural um you seem to be really good at it did you have to audition at all <laughs> Just really? well it's cheekbones and a british accent right <laughs> it's like the way i like it's my good looks that do it mm -hmm. now you know ever since i was like in my mid-20s i would always be cast as either a doctor or a funeral director. Mm. <laughs> I thought it was funny that it would be like saving or burying people. Exactly. Um, uh, so, and, and as I got older, it's, it's become more and more inevitable that I've, I've, I've graduated from a human undertaker slash funeral director to the, um, the Grim Reaper himself that actually mm -hmm. dispatches people. I guess that, that's what comes with age and seniority is that you, you, you get the, the job um so yeah it's it's always been part of my bandwidth i mean that you know aliens um a, a very specific cert, uh, kind of outlier in many ways um, right but again like I, I told you earlier i i i embrace that and i try and make them all as nuanced as an inter as interesting as possible and I think you do a great job. <laughs> Just as a side note, I've always thought, specifically in the 90s, that you would have been perfect for an H.P. Lovecraft biopic or something of the sort. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're not the first person to tell me that. But, you know, hey, as an actor, you, you, you keep going. Uh, it's interesting. A lot of people go, why did you choose a certain role? Or why didn't you go for this, that, and the other? Well, you know, we're all kind of fish in the ocean of the industry. And we kind of swim where we can where we get plucked and we, we right. just go with it you know, we go with the tide so what's your opinion on how supernatural has been able to enjoy longevity when most shows just sort of fizzle out after five or six seasons well it, it comes down to the chemistry between the two boys jared and i mean those guys we a whole generation or well actually two or three generations has watched them grow from being really young kids to mature guys uh, with a really clear worldview. Um, but I think, uh, so they like each other, which is great. They, they're, they're good together in scene. They, they're always uh, alive and aware. They're not just phoning it in. Um, and the other thing is that they're actually really good actors. And um, so you get a character like Death in Supernatural that, that comes in out of the blue, you know, season five, it's already this whole bandwagon that's been established and it's going. And a guy like me arrives and I have a long scene with Jensen in a pizza parlor. Um, it could be a pretty awful experience for an actor like me if someone like Jensen was, you know, not as available and generous as he is. Right. Um, 
But because he's such a fine actor, he kind of goes, okay, I'm going to have fun here. I'm going to play the scene. I'm going to make this guy look scary by <laughs> being scared. I'm going to make the, the stakes of the scene bigger and better. And uh, as a result, we had a real dance. You know, it was a real kind of a fun thing. And over the years, over the seasons, it developed as a relationship into almost like um, stern uncle, naughty nephew kind yeah. of Kind, kind of thing. I mean, we it wasn't that, but on a cosmic scale, that <laughs> element to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there was, in other words, he gave lots, you know. Right. And Jensen and Jared, I like that. And Misha, who too, who over the years has become more and more of a factor within the show, brings the same kind of talent and the same generosity. So that there's right. an energy there, and and so I don't think it's ever gone stale. Uh, and the writers have been. They, they, they've been brave enough to, to upset people, to make decisions that keeps the show fresh, too. I mean, they killed me, for yeah, instance. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, God damn about it. that for a long time. Yeah, how dare they? <laughs> but, but, you know, I mean, that's, that's exactly one of those choices where they go, well, we've got a character here. We, we've established him. It's good. Uh, it's going in a nice direction. But, uh, you know, we need to step it up a bit. We need to shift and change. And mm -hmm. they're not afraid of that. And, right. and they're not afraid to go and parody themselves and not take them too seriously. And then, you know, go meta, go this, go that. So, right. so it's kept fresh. Um, and uh, I got to tell you, I'm, uh, I'm so privileged to have been a part of it because I, I just touched the surface. I mean, I've been, I was in and out for about five seasons and um, it's introduced me to this massive fan base. Oh and, yes. Uh, and the, the, the whole concept of conventions, which never heard of before, you know, I, right. I no, no, like I, I went to my first one, you know, what am I doing? I'm a serious actor. I can't be doing this. But then little did I know that it's actually the best kind of interaction possible for a performer. And um, it sort of, it demands a lot of your theatrical instincts in that your life, you're, you're out right. there, you're, you're putting out, you're, you're accepting people's generosity and questions and you're 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 in the moment that's what i was that's segueing into my next question um have you ever been involved with a cast that is that close together and just they just seem to really enjoy each other's company genuinely and they're all friends they, absolutely no i haven't i haven't um and especially for something as long standing as that mm -hmm. you know if sometimes in theater or in a movie um you're thrown together intensely for you know, two months three months something like that um, and you get very close, but we're talking about 15 years, here, yeah. uh, which is an extraordinary amount of time. Uh, what it means is that over the years, a group of people have sort of gravitated towards the nucleus of performers that come in and go out, you know, you know, um, uh, well, I, I, there, there were just so many that, that I could name, but, uh, they also become like Rob, I'm just going to say Rob Benedict, and they they become an integral part not just of the show, but of the convention circuit, of the infrastructure of what right. makes the show. Mm -hmm. um, and they bring different skills too. Uh, Richard Spate, who's directed most what well, most, but quite a few episodes in the last couple of seasons, mm -hmm. brings not only his skill as an actor, 
but as an amazing host for a convention, as a like a musician, like mm-hmm. there, there, there are so many overlaps there, and and it feels that it's keeping people vital. So there's there's a nucleus probably of about twenty twenty five people who, even though they don't work together all the time, can interconnect very easily. Convention circuit feel like family. And uh, I've also heard that they're still going to continue those even after the show is uh, wrapped up. Well, yeah, because, I mean, it, it is a community. It's a family, and um, people want to, uh, to keep in touch, uh, not just with us as performers, but with each other. I think it represents a network of people that really enjoy each other's company and have been through a lot of differences together. And uh, it's generational. I mean, I, I couldn't believe um, I, I've, I've been to, to a few now where the show's been going long enough where I've talked to Gran, daughter, and granddaughter, <laughs> all together, all right. Supernatural fans, uh, because of Netflix and because, you know, you've got new generations of, of people watching. Sure. So it's fascinating. Now, have you watched the series finale? I haven't seen it yet. I, I want to sit down. Uh, I, I've actually been quite busy recently, despite mm-hmm. COVID, and um, I... I, I I got sneaky glances of it, and I thought, no, no, I got to sit down and see it in in its entirety. And and of course, I've I've heard things from friends. Yeah. And I said, no, don't tell me, don't tell me. I want the full effect. But I mean, I, I obviously I know what happens, and I right. uh, I'm familiar. I would uh, just recommend that you bring a box of tissues. Yeah, <laughs> I, know, I know. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to. It. I'm uh, yes, I'll sit down quietly and have a big weep. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're also in one of the greatest horror films of our time, albeit briefly, but you were uh, cast in The Witch. Yeah. And now you've been around the business a long time. What sort of sense did you get from Robert Eggers on set? And did you on set? And did you have like a pulse on that film where you knew, oh, this is going to be something? Yeah, I did. I, I knew that it was going to be different. I, I work a lot in horror films. I've, I've worked on, and because I've done that, I've worked in all kinds of different ones, big budget, small budget. This kind of brought together an indie sensibility, a creativity that I, I'm familiar with, but it also brought, brought a kind of um, preparation and uh, a kind of uh, a backing. Uh, he, he was well prepared um, and he could follow it up if he had a very specific choice for costume he could make sure that that costume choice made a very particular kind of shoe a very mm-hmm. particular kind of detail required for the hut show the this the background um, trees they had formed in a certain way the carts the oxen um so he brought a a, a real um tenacity like a production designer value robert it has been a production designer so he has an incredible eye for the uh, script the text um that the words that we spoke the accents that we spoke with all had to be authentic uh, the faces that he used people like mine that were appropriate to the time the the weather even you know right. so it, it was a real exercise in thoroughness and um he was able to accomplish it, which is an extraordinary thing. Um, and obviously it requires a very particular patience and tenacity at the same time. But yeah, as I was shooting it, I was kind of going, this is a little different. Mm-hmm. And that was even before I heard the soundtrack. When I went ah, yeah. to the movie and I saw the actual movie itself, I went, wow, it's, it's just gone to a whole different dimension because it's got that dense sound. And I don't know what that sound, I couldn't describe it to you even. Yeah. It's just... It is not a traditional do, 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 you know, like there's nothing like that, but there's a density and a, 
an unsettling quality to the sound that's really yeah the movie has a nice archaic feel yeah so foreign almost but that's us that's exactly yeah. but 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 the feelings are universal the the exactly. fears and the suspicions and the am i crazy is there really something <laughs> out there is he crazy you know there's all those things exactly yes. speaking of horror movies anything for jackson all i have to say about that movie is damn because <laughs> uh the director I, his i got his name written here justin dick i think his name is yeah yeah i see a lot of christmas movies and uh made for tv movies on his list and this seems like his first uh delve into horror did, did you notice him kind of letting loose on set that he could do that now <laughs> yeah well yeah, th this is a labor of love like he's learned his craft by doing um hallmark movies mm -hmm. you know and he's done them very well and they're not my thing uh that it's not pitched at my demographic you know the whole right. idea of christmas and stuff so i i you know i i'm obviously gonna look down my nose i shouldn't but the thing to remember is that uh if you do them you get to understand the uh nuts and bolts of filmmaking right. on a on a budget storytelling making something look good dressing it up to keep the, the action moving even though it's you know it's a formula right mm -hmm. Um, so Justin kind of is, is one of those guys that's, um, a filmmaker, but he's not going to wait around and hope that the, the perfect project comes his way. You know, he's not like the big city auteur. He said, right, I, I live in a small community. I'm going to make movies. And if I have the opportunity to make them, I'm going to learn doing them. Mm -hmm. So the opportunity came his way. He perfected his craft, but all the time worked with his um, buddy, uh, who was often a co-writer on Christmas. They both kind of riffed on what their favorite horror movies, they both love horror. And they kind of came up with this idea that they just worked on throughout their day job, if you mm -hmm. like. So this was their first big labor of love, but they applied the same techniques and the same um, kind of rigor that, that um, they would require for doing a, a Hallmark movie. Right. So it was, it was fascinating. And, um, you know, I mean, horror is a genre too. And uh, it's all about, it's about getting the scare, getting the, what's the gag here? How do we get it? How do we build up to it? What's the rhythm of the scene? Um, so they were terrific. And as you can see by the film, you know, the, the tension and the use of practical effects are seconds and none. Yeah. I'm trying to avoid spoilers as much as I can, but you don't play the nicest man in the movie, but yet your character is likable and sympathetic. You know, that's a hallmark yeah. of great writing. Is that it something is. that drew you in to the yeah. character? Very yeah. much so. And it goes back to what I was saying earlier, you know, when I ever I approach a part, even if it's some sort of crazed killer, it's always interesting to play, to try and, figure out why he's crazed or some vulnerable part of him that might uh, strike a chord with other people. You know, right. I'm not saying, you know, be, become, make him become the hero, but at least make it more of an experience. Uh, I mean, for, Psycho is the perfect example of that. Um, and, and Anthony Perkins, yes, it is Anthony Perkins. Um, what, what a great portrayal of, of somebody that's both vulnerable and terrifying all, yes. all at once, right? Um, so with, with um, my character, Henry, uh, what's interesting for me about it is that he does some terrible things, but he does them in the name of wife uh, to try and keep her happy, uh, to try and address the fact that they're both grief stricken, that they've, they've had a devastating loss in there. And his wife is clearly 
going downhill. There's something up with her, but he's trying to humor her and he's trying to respect the fact they need to stick together. They've been together for so long. They operate as, and uh, and that's a lot of interesting material in there. Oh, yes. It's a very... (laughs) The story is almost an, it's a very original take on a Rosemary's Baby-esque storyline. Yeah. There's a nice contrast between uh, grandparents that a lot of us can relate to and how far is going too far, you know? Yeah. And cookies and using the ancient spell book, there's a thin line between there. <laughs> yeah. And, and the funny thing is um, actually trying to be as nice as we can all the time. Yes. You know, do terrible things, but in a nice way. Exactly. Which is a, a very interesting, I, I think. Um, and also look at a part of society, not just make that part, like a, a, a Satanists, for instance. We treat the idea of having a satanic belief um, lightly. We don't, we don't make uh, screaming monsters out of everybody. We, t- mm-hmm. we take a very light approach. But they're everyday people that you would find in a community. But the point being that even in a in a, a society like uh, as in a satanist society there are different degrees of commitment and different degrees of danger like in any right. and we we in the movie we get interested in one particular guy who's kind of a wild card he is certainly but the other people aren't necessarily you guys are very believable grandparents i just have to ask did you think back to when you were a kid and things that your grandparents maybe did or maybe recall to those memories to yeah, actually, more than that, more than memory, more about my own feelings, my own mater- paternal feelings, I guess. Um, I mean, and, and also I've been married for a long time, a long time relationship. I have kids, I don't have grandkids, but very much the whole couple dynamic, doing things in the name of the children, of continuity. So it was that the script was so well written that that wasn't hard at all. I didn't have to pretend to be a grandparenty kind of guy it just came very naturally and if anything that's more uh sheila mccarthy who is my plays my wife um, that's more she plays more the traditional grandma in many ways i'm more the uh, older professional doctor i still work i haven't retired yet and mm-hmm. i have a practice so there's a side to me that's still in the workforce and that's why what is going on with my wife is a little bit more shocking to my character. So I've wanted to ask you about Shudder. They, they are on a roll lately and they have a lot of great original movies. Do they have any presence on set or is it simply a distribution? Um, they, they didn't have presence on set since they've taken on the movie. They've been very present, very And I got to say, I'm very impressed with the organization. Um, but no, it, it was definitely... Um, the, we we were left uh, full creativity. There was never a sense of oh my god, you know, the producers are coming on set today. We better <laughs> make it look good, you know. <laughs> the, the, Justin and Keith, um, the co-creators, mm-hmm. uh, it, it was really they were left um, to to do their thing. I think everybody had confidence in them of their um, their their uh, aptitude and and mm-hmm. their their ability to. So I know we're wrap, uh, losing our time here. I just want to wrap up with these last few questions. Uh, what sort of films do you consume in your leisure? Are you a big horror fan? I like horror. Um, I, I, I mean, obviously, because I do it, I watch it more. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite film of all time, I always share this with people because I, I love it, is um, The Night of the Hunter by Charles Lawton, mm-hmm. which to me is a perfect film because it transcends all genres. It's, it's horror. 
but it's also it's like it's black and white it's very theatrical it's got robert mitchum in it who is one of my heroes it's got lillian gish from the silent film world it's got shelly winters who later on became more of an iconic actress it's got all these different elements it's got kids being chased it's like a fairy tale it's got robert mitchum with love and hate on his <laughs> tattooed on his hands it's got all those things and but it's it's terrifying truly terrifying so i like i like films that kind of integrate terror but aren't necessarily schlock horror right um, but, a lot of that but, What's that? There's a lot of that out there. <laughs> there yeah, 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 there is. And, um, you know, I just, uh, I, I, I try and cast the net as wide as I can. And I'm, I'm also interested in seeing, you know, films from other cultures too, uh, from Europe, from Indonesia, right. from different places. And your favorite movie snack. <laughs> <laughs> I drive my wife crazy because I have bad teeth, A, <laughs> and so I can't eat popcorn. And I don't like popcorn, so I don't eat popcorn. And she always gets a huge thing of popcorn, and she eats it and makes it a lot of noise. And I keep kind of tus tusking her when we're sitting there at the in in the movie theater, so I and, and telling her to be quiet <laughs> because I can't hear the dialogue properly. I'm I'm sort of one of those old school kind of I'm, I shouldn't really be eating anything while I'm watching kind of guys. Right. So if I do have something, it's always very discreet um, and very easy to handle and doesn't make any noise. Like, uh, like a, I, I don't know, like a bagel or something. I'm or sure your fellow movie, movie watchers appreciate that. that yeah, 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 yeah. No <laughs> wrinkling of papers. And, and I guess that goes back to being in theater too. You know, mm -hmm. like it's a disaster if you're live on stage and there's someone opening a candy <laughs> in the front row. You know, not only you are aware of it, you're forgetting your lines and also all the rest of the audience. Right. So do you have any other projects on the horizon you want to tell everyone about? Maybe something Yeah, like I, I'm because of COVID, a lot of stuff that I've been in over the last 18 months has sort of come to fruition right now. So it's, it's becoming available. Uh, it's gone to different festivals. So I'm in about four or five different features at the moment. One of them is uh, Stardust, which is the movie about David Bowie just before he became Stardust. There's uh, another one called Vicious Fun, which is a horror movie uh, made with some guys I've made a couple of other features with. So that's kind of a, a fun thing. Uh, and I've just been shooting a Stephen King series, mm. Chapel Wait, which is based on his short story, Jerusalem's. Oh, good and one. it's been expanded into a 10 episode series for Epic. Oh, uh, so it's very cool. Um, Adrian Brody stars, and um, it's I, I've really enjoyed it. I've been really lucky because we've been shooting during COVID in what we call here in Canada the maritime bubble, which is a kind of um, an area to the uh, on the east coast, which is relatively free of COVID and has been able to continue relatively un unaffected. I mean, on a film set, obviously everybody is very conscious mm. and keep having tests, et cetera, et cetera. But um, we've been able to pull it off and do a, a 10 episode series, which hopefully will be out, I guess, in the summer, fall. 
and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun um, and, and a lot of scares, a lot of traditional old school scares. Excellent. I will definitely have to check that out. And I'm not going to hold you hostage any longer. I'm going to let you get out of here, get some lunch <laughs> and go enjoy your family. And I, I appreciate it so much. Again, it's been a pleasure uh, chatting with you for this 30 minutes. My pleasure too. Thank you so much. Julian, you have a great day. Thank you. Bye, Bye now. now. Madness and magic.